Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. pitch, Carlson, base hit in the center, here comes Bader, the throw from Ortega, 1-0 Cardinals on a base hit, Dylan Carlson, Carlson, deep right, stay fair, gone, two run homer, Dylan Carlson, and Goldie lifts it high in the air, out to right center, Cardinals hold on for an 8-3 win. A lot of excitement at the ballpark last night. Danny Mac show on a Tuesday with BK. Tanner as well. Bob Tewksbury coming up. Looking forward to visiting with uh, the former Cardinal pitcher. And guys, it's always better. Not that I don't love seeing your smiling faces <laughs> and the just the positivity you guys bring every single day to this show. So don't get me wrong. I love it every day. Even I appreciate when, you saying even that, Even in June when it was a tough June. But, man, is it better to come in when they're hitting? And they have a little pitching, too. Jake Woodford was really good last night. Six and three in their last nine games. These are coming against the Giants and the Cubs. This yeah. is no fluke. The Cardinals are playing better baseball right now. You mentioned it after the Rockies series that they were playing better. The results weren't there, though. It was entertaining baseball. They weren't striking out a bunch. It wasn't the three true outcomes. They were playing crisp, clean baseball. The results just weren't there yet. Now, over the last two three, or three-plus series now, basically, you're starting to see the results kind of follow that. They're not striking out. You're seeing the two-strike approach that Mike Schilt has told us is going to change. It has actually changed. They have one of the lowest strikeout rates in baseball since that conversation they all talk about. And, Dan, I thought last night was the perfect symbolism of where this team is at right now and how things have tangibly changed. You didn't have your big three available. Didn't have Cabrera, Gallegos, Reyes. It was the first time they won a game in which none of those three pitched since June 20th. That's incredible. It's been nearly a month today. Exactly a month ago today was the last time that recipe worked for them in a win. So last night was a huge one, man. You, you had Jake Woodford on the mound, who none of us knew what he was going to give you as a starter. Then you don't know what you're getting out of your pen. For the offense to be able to put up eight runs in that game, that's the difference to me. I went back and did a little deep dive into the numbers. Love it. Numbers will tell you a lot. So June 28th, Arizona came to St. Louis. Cardinals swept that series. Since that time, their starters, ERA, about two and a half. Yep. So when you get starting pitching... And if you get a starter that allows you to go deeper into a game like Jake Woodford, he pitched into the sixth and you have a big lead to where you don't feel it's a tight game or a tie game down one up one doesn't matter. And you don't have to go to the big three, man, you feel really good going into game two, but it all begins with the starters and the Cardinals are getting pretty good starting pitching. Now it was announced 
I, I'm I'm trying to figure this out. Why it's taken? Uh, and maybe I think you it's have some a corresponding answers. move thing. I think they were trying to find the guy that they're going to send down today. I don't know who that is. I I'm not like being coy about it. I legitimately don't know the answer to yeah. that question yet. But I think it was a procedural thing. They weren't trying Normally, to be secretive no. about it. They were. They knew who the starter was going to be today. They just didn't want to announce it until they had told somebody else. And that's normally how it happens when they say, okay, we, we have a TBA and TBA is on a lot of teams to be announced. Um, so that was a TBA and um, we all suspected it was Johan Oviedo kind of keeps him in line with what he did during the all-star break went down and made a start and he would get the start and usually these things are about corresponding moves and shuffling your 26-man roster and okay what who if we send this guy down or are we good with waivers are we good if not you know who do we send down all that stuff so um Oviedo will make the start tonight and then we'll wait to see what the corresponding move uh, is I want to go back though to Jake Woodford five and two-thirds Six hits, gave up an earned run, no walks, which was a key for him. Tied his career high with six strikeouts. Manager Mike Schild did exactly what we've asked the guys to do. You know, go command the baseball, be in the in the zone, work with a good tempo, and go pitch a pitch with execution. Have a plan, executed a great job tonight. Now on the flip side, you had Alec Mills, who had to get six outs in one inning. They committed four errors. The Cubs did, but three coming in one inning. And to the Cardinals' credit, they took advantage of it. Baez, a couple of errors. Patrick Wisdom had an error to start the inning. And in Major League Baseball, good teams make you pay. And that's what the Cardinals did. And I got to say, Dan, I know that some of this is just bad baseball. Like some of it I, I can't excuse. Some of it, though, was the Cardinals' good base running, and I think that needs to be taken into account here. Yachty on the uh, ground ball to short. It's great play by him. And then the speed going to first is also something that they have yes. to account for. And this is why, Dan, I know like we get so di- we dive into the numbers, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody. And we say, like, hey, it's about on-base percentage, the, the speed, all that stuff. No, put pressure on the defense. Yeah. If you put the ball in play, good things can happen for you. And last night we saw exactly why that is the case, in particular with this team, because they have guys that can take advantage of a, a split-second de- decision where the shortstop looks up, oh, God, Tyler O'Neill's already down the line? I got to get this over there quickly. They make a bad throw, and now you're able to take advantage of it, and boom, the inning kind of goes from there. And Bader, the day before, little check swing, puts it in play. Yep. Just put putting pressure on the defense and you can't you know this is an old baseball look at the game but when runners are on the, there's there's you know pressure on the defense when you have the bases loaded the pressure squarely on the shoulders of the pitcher there's a reason why people can score all of a sudden you get the merry-go-round going so a lot of good things that happened last night Oviedo will go tonight but I, I thought a real key in the game though BK a real key that no one is talking about. I did mention it later in the broadcast. Can I guess what you're going yes, with? Yes, sir. Dylan Carlson's walk? That, well, that was big. Okay. That was big. Yes, and I uh, did think that was huge. Um, I thought the key in the game, the crowd was really into it. We had over 39,000. And, by the way, a lot of blue in the seats, too. So, understand where I'm going with this. But, top of the first, you have a runner at third. And uh, first and third, maybe whatever it was, but a runner at third and and less than two outs. And he gets Baez and Bryant back to back strikeouts. So if the Cubs score first, it's kind of like because they've they've had your your number this year, but they didn't. And it's Jake Woodford and you're not sure what you're going to get out of him. It kind of just it just changed the fortunes of I I felt it. And I, I always go back and look at individual innings sometimes and say, well, that was a key play. And some of it's obvious and it sticks out. But, man, 
by keeping them off the board after a half inning with those guys coming up, that was big. It's the little things, and they become big things, right? And so the first inning, I'm absolutely with you, huge. The other thing, Dan, and you've talked about this in the past, the shutdown inning after the Cardinals yes. scored. The Cardinals go up one nothing on Carlson's single. By the way, another good base running play there by Harrison Bader. Good baseball there in the bottom of the third. Bader scores, you go up one nothing. And then you shut it down in the following inning. Yep. You do not allow the Cubs to respond. It was a one, two, three inning by Woodford. You get to the bottom of the fourth. Now you really start to add it on. And the game is conceivably over at that point. That was huge, too, because so many times this year, the Cardinals are scoring an inning, go up early. It's like, oh, damn, now they're up two to one. And the kind of the air gets let out of the balloon once again. That didn't happen to the Cardinals last night. I felt like that was another big part. And a final thought in this segment. You're back to 500. And before you start talking about getting to wild cards and things of that nature, I've always felt like you got to get to 500. And 500 is kind of that magical mark of you're not great, obviously. You're okay. You're you're 500. But you got to get there first. And it's, it's hard sometimes just to climb back up and up and up because you win a couple, then you lose three. You might win one, then you lose two. And all of a sudden you look and you're like, man, I'm, I'm under five, you know, and then I, I always start looking at increments of five. So when I get to 500, mm-hmm. now I look to say, okay, let's try to get to five above because this is an important stretch of baseball. You got three more left with the Cubs and then you got Cincinnati over the weekend. And that's the other thing in the standings. You always look at, can I catch these guys? And how many teams do I have to jump? That's right. I think that's so important. And right now, something that is quietly happening is the teams that are in front of the Cardinals are really struggling right yes, now. A lot of them are playing bad baseball as well. Don't look now. Cardinals are one game back of the Reds for second place in the division. The end of the night, they could be tied with the Reds in this division. The same thing is quietly true in the wild card race. If you look over there, it's just the Phillies and the Reds, both a game up of the Cardinals. That's it between the Cardinals and the Padres right now in the wild card contention. I'm not saying the Cardinals are going to get there, but the fewer teams that you have to jump in those standings, the better it can be for you because the math just works a little better. So I, It's getting very interesting now. If they continue playing some good baseball, they're going to have some opportunities as we get into August and then September. And we'll talk about Miles Michaelis and uh, Jack Flaherty. Good news on them at the ballpark yesterday, so we'll do that later in the show. Coming up, Bob Tewksbury, Schnook. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Looking forward to uh, having the chance to visit with former Cardinal pitcher, and that is Bob Tewksbury, Dan McLaughlin, and Brandon Kiley. Danny Mac show on a Tuesday here on 101 ESPN here in St. Louis. And BK, I got to tell you, the reason why is that you don't find a nicer or probably smarter guy than Bob Tewksbury because I get the chance to visit with him when he signs up to handle the fantasy camp. And uh, <laughs> Bob, it's always great to hear your voice. How you doing? Hey, guys. Uh, well, thank you for those kudos. Yes, uh, fantasy camp's coming up in November, so not to wish time away. Certainly not the short summer here in Maine, but that is an exciting time and look forward to that very much. So you're signed up. You're ready to go again? 
I'm ready to go. All locked. They can't get rid of me. It's guaranteed contract. <laughs> yeah, Bob is also an author, 90% mental, and all-star player turned mental skills coach reveals the hidden game of baseball, which we want to get into as well. Um, but first, let's get caught up on what you're doing right now, Bob, because you've been bouncing around a little bit still in the game of baseball. Can you let our fans know what you're doing right now? Yeah, I'm self-employed right now. I um, I have my own private practice with mental skills coaching. I have a number of college and uh, amateur and uh, professional clients. Um, so I work remotely from my little office here in Wells. I don't have to fly anywhere. And with the uh, technology now it's um, and everyone's being used to Zoom or FaceTime, it makes it really convenient. So... Uh, yeah, 39 years in baseball. Um, my last year was with the, working for the Cubs as their mental skills coach. And um, this is the first time I've been in private practice, and it's been really fun. I've really enjoyed it. Bob, when you talk about the mental side of the game, we've always known that it is important, but I feel like over the last decade or so, probably there, there's been almost a a new emphasis placed on that side of things. Can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing on, on as a as a mental skills coordinator? Can you tell us what that job entailed? Um, well, when you when you when you work for a team, that job is to uh, educate um, the players on uh, mental skills techniques and strategies, and then uh, help them assist them. Uh, applying those strategies if they're needed to improve performance. And, you know, there are uh, players uh, throughout the system that, you know, there's usually a minor league program and a major league program. So, you know, it's voluntary in nature and the players, uh, you know, if they seek out some uh, services about performance, then those are the, the coordinators of the guys that, that go to uh, more specifically in, in my own practice. Um, you know, I, I have some assessments that I use to find out what areas uh, the clients may be in need of focusing on. And then we work out a plan to, to uh, address those, whether it be, you know, confidence or uh, breathing and relaxation or the use of imagery or, um, controlling that little voice in your head, uh, all those things. So, um, yeah, and every client is different, and there's a different path to uh, teaching them, but uh, the material is basically the same, and it's really fun. Bob, how did you get involved with this? Because you had a 13-year big league career, and, you know, you're, you're pitching. You're trying to, to sustain your livelihood on the mound, and then all of a sudden now you're in this role. So what was your background education with this, and, and how did you gravitate towards uh, what you're doing now? Uh, totally by chance. You know, I was a student of the game and understood, uh, you know, some psychology of performance when I played and learned through a lot of trial and error that um, how to better control the, the mental aspect of the game. And so um, I just uh, just was working for the Red Sox as a, as a pitching uh, mentor and found out about a program at Boston University in sports psych, uh, sports psychology and counseling. And um, I applied to that and, 
in 2004, started the Red Sox Mental Skills Program. Um, kind of a, just as, you know, it, it was totally wasn't anything I planned. Uh, it happened, and it's turned out to be a, a great second career and one that's that's grown in the industry. Do you think baseball teams now are diving into this as much as they should? I think that they uh, teams are supplying players with necessary resources to help them. Uh, I'm not sure that those resources are always utilized. Interesting. Um, I find, and I always say this, baseball is a, a game of failure. So the best in the world are, are three out of ten. And seven times you're going back to the dugout as a hitter. You're frustrated. As a pitcher, it can be frustrating. Is this the, the and I'm curious if you're doing it with golfers or other sports, but is this the the one sport that is the one that you say, this might be the toughest mentally on on pro athletes, college athletes, whomever? No, I don't think baseball is. I, you know, I think uh, golf is a really tough game. I mean, you think about people, you know, trying to close out a, uh, a PGA championship or event. Um, you know, part of any athletic performance is dealing with failure, and it, it happens uh, in any environment. And I think that's uh, that's a quality that allows the great athletes to continue to be great as they deal with, you know, uh, their failures um, differently than those that, you know, that don't. The ones that uh, can't let go of it or hang on to it too long generally don't perform well over a consistent period of time. Did you utilize some of these skills during your career, or were there people doing then what you are doing now to help you? Um, like I said, I read about it. I definitely utilized these skills, and you know, Harvey Dorfman was probably the biggest pioneer. He wrote a trilogy of books uh, that became very popular in baseball, and has been a mentor to many people in this field. But no, are you kidding me? If my rookie year, if I went into Lou Pinella and said I needed to see the team psychologist, you think that would have gone over very well? Probably not. Not at all. Probably not. Not at all. No. Hey, hey, Bob, no. do you feel that it's harder to be an athlete now as opposed to even when you were playing? And And I say that because of... There's so much on television. There's now uh, talk radio is everywhere. There's uh, social media and players are always being tugged at in a lot of different ways. And much of it is negative. Do you think it's harder now? And that plays into dealing with the pressures as opposed to when you were playing? No question. I think it's harder to be a young person now yes. uh, in general. Um, because of all those things and the effects of technology, social media, um, you know, but as a professional athlete, you know, one of the things that you always try to talk about with athletes is the ability to have distraction control. And there's many more distractions now, as you referenced, than, than 20 years ago, than 10 years ago, um, so that becomes a, a really big uh, obstacle, I think, for players is, is the ability to control distractions. I think the major league players have a really good idea of how to deal with things on the field, um, you know, generally. But I think that 
a big part of their that players uh, stress comes from off the field issues, time management, raising family, long distance relationships, uh, arbitration, free agency, uh, sponsorships, commercials, you know, uh, and you know, and other things, family issues, uh, charitable obligations. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. So you have to be able to to um, really uh, compartmentalize that stuff. And when you get to the field, focus on what you're doing. And that's not easy. Bob, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your career as well. You look back to 1992 and the season that you had that year. What came together for you? I mean, it's it's one of maybe the more underrated Cardinals pitching seasons in recent memory and maybe in franchise history. Whoa. Uh, well, it was certainly a fun season. Um, if you ask Pagnozzi, he would say he had no idea because I threw a lot of balls down the middle that they just popped up. So <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm gonna attribute all of it to luck. I'm just going to – I threw it over and they hit it at people. Um, it's a lot uh, of luck no, I, in 230 I, innings, Bob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I – you know what? I had uh, Joe Torrey, Joe Coleman um, – Great defense, you know, Pendleton, Ozzy, Langford, Gilkey, you know, Okendo, Pagnozzi, you know, my, if you throw it over the plate, good things are going to happen. And, and, you know, I love the Cardinal fan base and comfortable being there. There was so many good things that happened and I was able to put it all together and, and it was a, it was a really fun year. I, I, that's my final question, and you led me right to it. Um, you spent six years here in St. Louis and 13 years of your big league career, uh, majority of it right here in town in terms of other places that you bounced around. What what comes to mind with uh, wearing the, the birds on the bat for Bob Tewksbury? Well, it's, you know, if there's one team that I identify with, if I were to, you know, if I were have good enough to have gotten into the Hall of Fame, I would have been a Cardinal and um, you know, I'm proud to have been a member of the, the organization, to have contributed to the community as an athlete. Uh, the, just it was—it's an incredible feeling of of pride. You know, C.J. Cherry was a longtime traveling secretary. We're still friends, and Joe Pfeiffer runs a cards camp. And uh, you know, there's so many people that are still there that I knew, and you become friends with, and. Um, and the fans are just incredible. Um, so I, I cannot think of any moment that was not enjoyable in St. Louis, um, as a member of the Cardinals, um, truly an honor to play for that organization and to be an alumni and just, uh, it was great. I would have played there my whole life if I could have. That's great. Hey, Bob, it's awesome to hear your voice. I know the fans really appreciate this, and so we're going to plug the book again, which has been out for a while, but uh, we'll make sure and do that. And I look forward to seeing you uh, down in Jupiter this fall. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely, guys. Uh, be well. Take care. You too. That's uh, Bob Tewksbury. You can reach him, by the way, on Twitter, at Bob underscore Tewksbury, at Bob underscore Tewksbury. And again, the book, I've read the book. It's really cool. It's a, it's a neat, neat book. It's uh, 90% mental, an all-star player turned mental skills coach reveals the hidden game of baseball. Um, I said this to a fellow parent the other day, and you'll you'll be a parent, I'm sure, soon Eventually. enough. Eventually. Um, I said, you know, we we're talking about our kids, and I said, it's harder now to be a kid than 
it's ever been. And uh, I know some people that have dealt with issues because of social media with kids that are young. I mean, they're on their phones and they're getting phones at eight, nine, 10 years old, if not earlier, you know, and, and you they're on these different social media platforms. And it's tough to be a kid because there's there's shaming. There's things that go uh-huh. on. I mean, kids can be mean and now you can do it on your device. And then I, I've also I've had great conversations with Tim McCarver about this. Um, and we've said, I, I've always believed this as we continue to go f- uh, further down um, it, in, you know, our lives. I said, it is so hard to be a player right now. Now, I, I know there's a fan out there that's going, come on, you're making millions of dollars. And I get that. Believe me, sure. I, I, I understand that. But I'm just talking about these guys put a ton of pressure on themselves to perform. And believe me, at the core of it, take the money away. They don't want to embarrass themselves. They want to stay in the game, and they want to produce. And part of that pressure, by the way, is the money, right? Like Absolutely. When you're, when you're getting paid $30 million a season, that also brings on a different kind of pressure. There's a lot of pressure. Don't think for a second Goldie doesn't feel pressure in Arenado, and just because they sign contracts that all of a sudden you think, well, the pressure's off, I'm set up for generations of my family. Yes, you are, but there's a responsibility with it. And I would venture to say 99.9% of the athletes in sports feel that pressure to perform and to live up to their end of the bargain. Now, it's a hell of a way to make a living. Don't get me wrong. And there's pitfalls in everything you do. And it's not, you know, the toughest job you think of out there of manual labor. I understand that. But there is the mental side of being a human being and want to perform. And hopefully I'm saying that right. No, absolutely. I I think you are. Um, And going back to your point on the kids thing, like I, I see it with other kids. I obviously do not have my own. And don't take this as me judging because I certainly am not. Again, I'm not a parent. So I know like you guys have a lot going on. But you can see it early on. These kids are almost trained to view the screen, right? Uh, they're they're screaming in the background. You got to get some work done. So here, here's the tablet. Go ahead that's and right. watch some YouTube, right? right? Like I get it. I totally understand it. But that's part of this, right? Like they they get trained at an early age. Like this is what I do. And then you get onto social media, and like there's there's so many crazy things that happen. Dan, like there was the um you know the salt lamps. I think is what they're called. There's a like a salt lamp licking challenge that was going around YouTube really? where kids would literally lick the lamp and that that's like the challenge. We had one at our place and one of the kids came over Come and on. licked the lamp. And they were like, I this is what this I'm one. supposed to do. I was like, I'm going to go, go home and check out my lamps. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's just like that's just one of the examples of a million of them that are out there where. It being a kid is a little different nowadays. Oh, it's different than when I was a kid and certainly than from when you were a kid. No doubt. Um, let's talk a little bit next segment. Let's get more into the game last night, but also look ahead. So Oviedo, we do know, will um, get to make the start tonight. And then some good news, it looks like, with Jack Flaherty and Miles Michael. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Okay, my man uh, Jimmy the Cat Hayes on Bally Sports does a great job covering the Cardinals, works his tail off, and trying to find little nuggets and things to bring up on the broadcast. And during COVID, it's not been easy, but he finds a way. And now that we're down on the field, you know, you're around some of the players and the coaches and whatnot. But uh, he had a report last night. I found it fascinating where he talked about Michaelis and Flaherty, if they get healthy and when they get healthy, of a potential piggyback. I love the idea. Because, as I said after his report, 
you know, eventually, BK, you look up and you're running out of games. So then the 2021 season is over and, you know, you spend all your offseason getting healthy and worry about 22. So if you have a shot this year, do you piggyback those guys instead of having them throw a side session, a bullpen, then you're shut down another three or four days and then you might do this and you might do that. I kind of like the idea. You know, you, you need starting pitching. I love what I saw from Jake Woodford last night. He's going to get another start, and yep. he should. He's earned it. Um, hopefully, Oviedo is good tonight from the uh, Cardinals' perspective. But, you know, when you look at the chance of piggybacking these guys because you're running out of time, I think it's something you, you, you at least explore and see what happens. Love the idea. It also um, it, it makes it less time. It's less timely, at least, of having them down in the minors. So you can bring them up quicker which means, okay, now instead of them coming back late August, exactly. maybe you're able to get them early August. So right. now you're two weeks away from getting both Michaelis and Flaherty back, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. So right after the trade deadline, maybe they add one arm at the deadline. I don't know if it's a bullpen guy, a starter, whatever it may be. So you're telling me the Cardinals rotation could be Jack Flaherty going three, four innings. Maybe he's not going his typical six or seven, but he's giving you three or four to start. You've got Wayno still there. KK still in there. And then it becomes a question of who else do you keep into the rotation? Do you have LeBlanc in there? Do you keep Oviedo or Woodford in there? You've got some options. And I think that's what this team has been lacking so far this year. When guys have been struggling, well, we got to keep them in there because what's our other option? Now, if a guy starts to struggle, okay, we can turn to Woodford now. We've got Oviedo. Maybe Oviedo goes down to AAA and gets the seasoning that he's been needing, and he comes back up in September to help out the bullpen. It helps you out a ton. I love the idea, Dan. I, I realize when you look at a roster, a lot of times it's plug and play. Man, where I'm going with this is Jake Woodford. What I what I saw last night was a different guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by plug and play, you say, I'm a pitcher, so I should be able to go to the bullpen. I should be able to be used as a, a long man out of there, uh, which essentially is what he was at times. Um, and by the way, if I need a start, I, I, I should be able to use him as a starter. He's been a starter in his career. And it's about, to me, how you warm up your preparation, your comfort, all those things. You know what I saw last night? I saw no walks. I saw aggressive inside the strike zone. Uh, I saw a different pitcher. And, and maybe I, we shouldn't have been surprised. I mean, this is a couple of years ago. This is one of the best pitchers they had in the minor leagues. And a guy that was racking up innings and was there every fifth day for Memphis and had a very solid year. So maybe that is the role best suited for him, is my point. Because, you know, there are times, and Alex Reyes is going to have to do this. Alex Reyes, when he goes to the rotation, is going to have to be more efficient. Mm-hmm. And you can get away with walking guys because you got to get three outs and you've done your job. But if you expect to stay five, six, seven innings, you can't be walking that many people. So it's not as simple as just plug and play. And maybe that's what we got out of Jake Woodford is we saw the best role for him last night. We'll see how it plays out. You know what else I wonder, Dan, is you look at his game log and it's a a lot of L's next to the Cardinals name whenever he comes in as an appearance. In fact, he's only had one appearance prior to last night in which the Cardinals won. He's playing in a lot of games where they're down nine to three, six to eight. Like good point. He's just coming in in a game that's lost already for the Cardinals. Mentally, I do wonder what that does to a guy. You know, you're coming in and mop up duty as a young guy where you should probably, Jake Woodford, be down in the minors developing as a starter. Does that mess with you mentally where you're like, man, I'm being wasted. Like this, this is not the best use of my abilities. And you would never say that publicly, of course. But I think that there's probably some sort of fatigue in doing that job. 
last night he goes into the game, he's got a chance to win. Yeah. He's got a chance to be able to notch next to his belt W. And I do think that changes some things mentally. It it, tur- it, it gets you it's going a, a little point. bit more. So I think there's something to that. And I'll be interested to see if it's sustainable. Let's see what he looks like this weekend against the Reds, who I think he's going to be fired up for that start, I would imagine, going up against Nick Castellanos and the team that flexed all over him. So he did have uh, an appearance against the Reds, and I believe Castellanos... That was in that ugly series. Did you the, hear something about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a poster outside of the Red Stadium now, I'm pretty sure. I think there might be. So those two did face each other. But yeah, I would think that that adds a little extra incentive, undoubtedly, going into that really important weekend series, potentially. Now, you mentioned the word fatigue, and uh, Nolan Arnato sat last night, and Mike Schilt was telling the assembled media down in the dugout, I was there, and he said, paraphrasing, but he said he had had a conversation with Nolan that when you go to an all-star game, game there's a lot put on you and I felt like when he went to Denver as the first time as a Cardinal in that four game series um he was exhausted I could just kind of see it I I really watch intently mm-hmm. just certain little things you pick up and I'm sure it was exhausting for him the emotion of going back there you're seeing so many family friends uh former neighbors maybe clubhouse staff I mean there's just a lot that's put on your shoulders you're getting a standing ovation every time And then you had to go back for the All-Star game in your first season in a different uniform, and you're going back to Denver. I'm sure that was emotional. So I, he's in a little bit of a rut right now. I think he's three for his last 26. So if you get him going the way that Goldschmidt, by by the way, Paul Goldschmidt's almost hitting 280 now. He's starting good. He's starting to hit it, and his swing looks different. And it's it's just everything's good. Um, You get those two going one two punch. Now we're starting to talk about an offense that is getting to what you thought it could be because you're getting contributions from Bader, DeYoung, O'Neal, Carlson last night. It can't be just those big two. You got to have others chip in. But when the big two are rolling, and I'm not sure we've ever really seen those two going at the same time, if you get a sustained, let's say, 10-day period of those two going, they can carry your team. This is the formula that we've talked so much about, Dan. You get some solid, it doesn't have to be great, solid starting pitching. You've got the bullpen, the big three at the very minimum that you trust. And then if you get these guys going consistently in your lineup, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, and then if you have at any given time at least two other guys that are going at a pretty good rate, whether that's Carlson, DeYoung, O'Neal, Bader, whoever it is on any given day, that's how this team succeeds. Absolutely. And if they can get that going over the next month or so, I, I've said it a million times, I'll say it again, I still believe that this team has every opportunity to make the playoffs. I know it seems daunting right now, and I... I can't tell you that the standings are something that they are not. It is a daunting task, but you have so many games head to head against the Brewers down the stretch that it is absolutely in play that they can get back into this thing. This is the Danny Mac show with BK, the podcast powered by I promise. All right, wrapping up the show on a Tuesday, and great to visit with Bob Tewksbury. If you missed it, you can listen on the podcast on 101 ESPN, and that's brought to you by I Promise. All right, BK, you got Alex coming in. What do you have? We're looking forward to today's show, Dan. We've got a lot of Cardinals. We've yeah. got a lot of blues. Okay. And everything in between, basically going back and forth for the next three hours. So we're I looking it. forward to that. There was a report earlier today, the first time that we've seen actual dollars and cents on what it might cost to get Gabriel Landeskog to St. Louis. So we'll dive into that report coming up here in just a little bit. I'm curious, what is it? 
I will tell you All right. coming up at right around 1130, Dan. So okay. be paying attention at 1130. We'll get into that for you. There's also a report on what the twins are looking for for Jose Barrios. Oh, boy. Now I see why the Cardinals haven't made yeah. a trade for any of the um, controllable starting pitchers just yet. So we'll get into that coming up in the one o'clock hour as well. And Jeremy Rutherford joining the show at one. Looking forward to it. BK Tanner, Danny Mac. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Danny Mac show with BK, the podcast powered by I promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.